welcome to what is it about the weather podcast where we explore the many ways that weather intertwines itself into our lives. I'm your host, Mark Jelanek, and this week, well, we're going to try to give you a little weather power. Maybe you need a little superpower. I don't know. In any case, before we get into that, actually, we're going to do a little bit of Q&A, and some of it's going to be weather-related. But, as always, I'd like to wish you hope. Hopefully a good weather week, whatever it's been since you last listened, day, hour, month. Hopefully it's not been too much longer than that, but whatever it's been. Hope your weather's going well. I'm back home. Travel plans around the holidays did get COVID impacted a little bit, not a lot. We had some friends who, one of them got the covid and as a precautionary thing, we stayed away. It was who we were going to spend New Year's Eve with. Didn't matter. Did some things at home. It all worked out. Safe home from my other travels. But one thing I have not seen much of this year is snow. Not much snow at all. And I was looking at what, for my area, what the average total is. It's about 25, 26 inches, somewhere in that range. So not nothing, not the most of any place I've ever lived before. But usually once or twice a year, we get a, a pretty strong snow event. And then there's some others throughout the year. But season can be a little late to kick off. And, you know, sometimes there's hardly any. But as of date, we're less than a 0.2 inches of snow, which is pretty slow for this time of year. Watching an event that's probably going to unfold even a little south of me, as odd as that sounds, just the direction of the storm, so we're going to probably miss out again. So I don't know. Maybe a while. Last year I was snowshoeing by now, having some fun with that. This year, not so much, but hopefully I won't have to wait too much longer. Follow up on that FAA thing that I talked about in the last episode. So I guess it's not FAA thing, but the, the airplane safety issue with 5G. Specifically, I did, I did relook at that. had to do with AT&T and Verizon here in the U.S. But as I also mentioned, this is not a U.S. exclusive thing. And it does seem like they're going to put another pause in place, or they're hoping to. Try to figure out a solution that works for everybody. And they're not trying to, you know not let AT&T and Verizon do their thing. What they're trying to do is make sure it happens safely, right? So that we don't do anything that could jeopardize landing planes safely, particularly in difficult weather, right? We'll see how that turns out. All right. I'm going to hit a few questions. I'm going to get to some weather questions because you guys have you kind of indicated that both in surveys and people have before that sometimes you'd like a little more weather knowledge. So we're going to do that. But this time of year, and I've mentioned this in the in some previous episodes during the month, a lot of people are not in their normal routine. And in the U.S., it's kind of Thanksgiving to New Year's because we have this whole block of holidays, people wrapping stuff up. People get out of what is a routine. And while it's also a time of year when people get new devices, maybe that haven't had them or turn over and get a new, I don't know whether it's an iPhone or, or any other device where they might listen to podcast, you, you definitely pick up new listeners. But what people haven't done is gotten back into what I would call a normal flow. 
And so a lot of times, and this is not unique to me by any means, but a lot of people do different episodes this time of year because they know the listener base isn't consuming when they normally would or to the same level that they normally would. And just like those people's or schedules are out of whack, you know, producers' schedules are out of whack. So we're doing the same things, trying to enjoy the holiday, spend it with family and friends. So this episode kind of fits that. It's almost like a little test episode, but yeah, we'll call it a little end of year episode. It's a New Year's episode. So we're going to do that. We're going to hit a couple questions that I get a lot. Sometimes I hit those questions during, you know, individual episodes. An individual listener may send in a, something about, hey, what about this or that? Or what's your thought on this or that? Or how do you feel about this or that? And can you explain this or that? Whatever it might be. But there's a lot of people have no idea I do a podcast as well. Or they hear about it for the first time and have never listened to the show. And so I get a lot of questions that overlap often as well. And we're going to start with a few that have absolutely nothing to do with weather per se, other than this podcast hits on weather and life, right? So this is more of the life aspect that happens to be in a weather podcast. But probably when people find out I'm in the field of meteorology, meteorology, they ask me this one question more than any other question, right? Which is, what is my favorite type of weather? What do I really enjoy? What do I really like? And I'll add to that what I like least, because I get that sometimes, not quite as often. But let's start with what I really like. And I, for anybody that listens, probably knows by now, my favorite thing, hands down, has to be snow. And I don't mean, I, I love falling snow. I love the beauty. I guess it's the whole experience. I love the beauty of falling snow. Okay. I love the freshness that it represents because you go outside and it's this white sensation, right? It's, it feels clean. It feels like whatever's dirty in the streets is covered up. Whatever's dirty around us is covered up. It's like a renewing thing. No different than maybe how people feel with a, a rain in the springtime. But one of the other aspects I like about it that's really interesting to me is what it does with respect to sound. Now, this may not be when the event's going on because it could be windy. Now, I enjoy that too. But I love the dampening effect of snow. And I used to live at a place in Syracuse, New York area. And the house I lived in was probably, I don't know, as the crow flies, a couple of miles from an interstate. Okay, And while I wouldn't get noises all the time, certainly during the winter when there wasn't snow, when the leaves are off the trees and all that sort of thing, you would hear trucks that would sometimes go by, particularly when they were using the air brakes. And, you know, anybody knows about semis knows that that's that really kind of loud noise that they use when it's an alternate braking mechanism that keeps the brake pads themselves from being utilized. But when snow would come, Yes, there were still trucks on the interstate because this is upstate New York and they plow the roads really well there. You wouldn't hear anything. And you wouldn't hear anything because the sound waves, their interaction with the snowpack dampens that substantially. And all these noises you would hear all the time would just go away. And I really enjoyed that element of snow as well. So I guess it, it is partly a the various senses that come into play. And I do like cold weather. I like how it just freshens you up when you walk out into it. 
So I'm sure part of it's all that. And as I've mentioned, even back in the very first poorly produced podcast of or episode of this podcast, snow slash ice events were so memorable in my youth that they've always stuck with me. So I'm sure there's a connection even that goes all the way. You know, you always hear these things when they tell you that later in life you're trying to, you know, you're, you're so influenced by these things you didn't realize that you were influenced by that are part of your childhood. And it would certainly be that way for me. Now, on the flip side, my least favorite, I don't have a least favorite, but if I were going to describe a thing that I like least about weather is when it doesn't change. Right? I like a changing weather. I know some people like to live in places where it's the same all the time, particularly if it's just the right temperature and there's enough sun. And on this road trip, as an example, I spent a lot of kind of gray days. Now I was doing other stuff, and so it didn't really bother me. But I was thinking about it as I was driving the last couple legs getting home, that changing weather, as always, makes it interesting, right? It, it kind of keeps you going along. And, you know, I had enough change. There was some fog, and there was some rain, and there was some blue sky days within all that mix. But a lot of it was just sort of, eh. And... The same thing happens to me when I have a bunch of days with blue sky in a row, though. I go kind of, eh, and so I enjoy the change, all right? So those sort of things. Now, another question I get a lot, and this is from people that hear I do a podcast quite often, even more so maybe than from the listeners themselves, is why do I do a podcast? Well, straight up, I just like sharing this stuff. I think I have some knowledge and some understanding, and in some cases, some expertise, but just an interest in the topic enough to go out and do the podcast. I like this medium. I like being able to share different thoughts and ideas and perspectives and interact with my audience. I think podcasts are good for that. Right? You can do it with relatively low cost and with just a little bit of equipment. And from that standpoint, you know, a lot of times people follow on and say, would you recommend that, right? And I've said, of course, if you got something that you really enjoy talking about, of course you can do it. Now, what do I like least about podcasting? I'm not sure that, again, it's kind of like, what do I like least about weather? What I like least about podcasting is maybe the pro just the process itself, mostly because it gets to where it does, doesn't differentiate. And maybe that's why I'm going to do some new things in the upcoming year to kind of mix it up a little bit is... After I get done talking into this microphone, the next couple of hours are all structured in a certain way. And it's going through a, a kind of a set of rote tasks that I wish I could easily automate them all, but you can't easily automate them all. And that's probably what I like least, right? Is is it's more the production routine because it's more of it's a mandatory part of the process, and that's part of life, right? But it's just a piece of the equation, and that's why it becomes not overwhelming. But I also think, I do think that, you know, you could say coming up with new and fresh ideas or fresh content can fall into that bucket as a secondary thing. And I've mentioned before, and you've probably heard some stories over the past couple of years, there's a lot of people that got into creating content for the first time during COVID. A lot of good ideas, a lot of fresh and different perspectives, but what they learned very quickly is it's one thing to have a viral video on TikTok once and then trying to repeat itself. Because if you if you don't have content that's repeat, you know, that can 
continue, it's hard to come up with content. All right. And then getting it into the whole production process, it can wear you out. So it's real easy to say, hey, I'll, if all I had to do was be in front of a microphone, well, that's the easy part in some ways if you got something you're passionate about. Because most of us that are doing this are never going to make much of a living doing this. Would I if I could? Sure, I would do that. But that's not a reality. It's not a reality for almost anybody that produces content. What's the hardest thing that I, about podcasting? This one was a little tricky. As there's probably, I guess, no one can appreciate unless you've done a lot of time. So if you've ever done any public speaking or ever done presentations on a regular basis and you think about how long it took to put together 15 minutes of you're going to speak to somebody and the hours it took to probably do that if you were trying to do something of high quality. And that's hard. It can be hard to develop content. So if I go and produce 20 minutes, it is going to take... You know, I don't know what the multiplier is, but it's a pretty significant multiplier just in the content, not, you know, not the other pieces I was talking about. I don't necessarily dislike that. I enjoy it because I always learn something, but it is very difficult, right, to sometimes pull everything together and try to build a podcast that is not just me babbling because I don't want to always just babble. There are times like this episode where it's a little more free form and I don't have something where I've had to go out and learn and build upon and pull a story or a thought together or a collection of thoughts together and something that makes sense. That's pretty difficult. But maybe one of the harder things, and I tell this for people that are that are maybe thinking about getting into podcasting and haven't done it before, particularly if you're going to be focused on the audio element of it, or if even if you're doing videos, one of the hardest things to do is to have that conversation with yourself, right? To where it doesn't just sound like it's coming out of your mouth and you're just doing this thing, where you pause and you have inflection. And so being able to visualize people around you, or I do this thing right now, I'm even doing it, I'm talking with my hands, and I do that as almost as if I'm addressing an audience, and I do it to help me I'm not imagining that there's an audience there, but I, I guess I am mentally trying to get into a state that I'm delivering this to people who are going to listen to it later and trying to have some inflection and some tone variance so it doesn't become boring. And, and that can get difficult. And I suffer from it at times where I get going along and I'm just talking. And if I don't think about it and I don't think about the fact that there's someone on the receiving end it's going to just be this big blah of nothingness, right? It may be good content in terms of what's contained within it, but if the delivery is so boring that you fall asleep, I know sometimes my voice can do that to you anyways, then it can be difficult. All right, enough about all that. Let's hit a couple science topics. And I'm going to hit two that I get the questions about the most when it comes to respective weather. And they both have to do with water. Now, the first we've talked about, well, actually, both of these we've hit on before, but I want to hit them again to just try to make it a little clearer. I'm going to try to do a good job, but we'll see. I'm going to try to contain them both within a couple minutes each, and we'll see how good they are. The first is probability of precipitation, or what sometimes is short-noted as pop, okay? And now, you've heard me mention this person who did a video that was completely wrong about this. So the biggest mistake that people probably make with it, right, 
has to do with this idea of commingling percentages in time. Okay. And, you know, 40% of the time, you know, you think if it's a 40% chance of rain, it means it's going to rain 40% of a time, but that's not really what's going on. So we need to put time in the proper context. Time is the construct in which the forecast is issued. Okay. And you need to think about it that way. You need to think about, it could be, let's say tomorrow, you could have a 40% chance of rain for tomorrow. Or you could end up having it for six hours or an hour because it's all about when that maybe a frontal boundary is going to come through. And that's when it's really relevant, but it doesn't change it. So as long as that thing, that event is going to take place within each of those time elements, it's always going to be 40%. It's not going to change it. So time is not in the equation. Like I said, you just need to understand the time so you at least have that frame of reference. Okay, so it's a the environment in which to consider the forecast. It doesn't calculate into the forecast, if you will. It's also important to remember that we're talking about measurable precipitation. Okay, so that's going to be a little different if you're working in inches or, or millimeters, depending on where you are in the world. But there is a difference between trace or something that can't be measured by a, a measuring device and something that actually turns into some, a measurable precipitation. Probably not a big deal for most of us, but it is something to keep in mind. There are two things. There are two elements that you really need to focus on that deliver that final percentage. One is the aerial coverage. So how big is the forecast being issued for? And the other is confidence that an event that creates precipitation is actually going to happen. All right, now let's deconstruct each of those. So when you watch a meteorologist on TV or listen to one on the radio or get one an internet-based forecast, quite often that forecast is issued for an area. So I may be in the New York City area, and it may be for the whole area, the forecast area that I'm in. Now, with modern-day apps, that area may be a point, but more often our point exists within a grid. So it's uh, they may do some behind-the-scenes thing to say it's a point forecast, so it may be relevant to you. An area may go away, all right? And that is useful, but it's likely that that was still built on a grid. So there's some wiggle room there. Just keep that in mind in the, in the background of your mind. But when I say that there's an 80% chance of rain for tomorrow, that means that I've done two things. One is I've said either A, I'm 100% confident that there's going to be rain across a certain 80% of the, let's say, the area that I'm forecasting for, or it can be the reverse of that. Okay. It can be considered that I take either side of that combination and I bring them together. So I think about the area, how widespread the event's going to be, but I also think about the weather event itself and how much I trust the models or what other inputs are going on in creating that forecast. So you can always have one side or the other be 100%, if you will, and then bring that factoring down by the other piece, right? So it could be something as simple as, you know, I'm looking at, I don't know, a grid of 100 miles, let's say. And I know that 30% of that grid, 
I'm very confident that a, a front's going to swing through and hit maybe just the top northwest corner of that grid that's 25 or 30%. So I may have 100%, but that's still only going to be a 30% chance of rain because I'm quite certain it's not going to hit the rest of the area I'm forecasting for. So just keep those two things in mind. Aerial extent, confidence of forecast. The smaller the area you can get to, Okay. the more you can understand that it's confidence in the in the event happening that's the driving factor. So smaller grid, smaller area, you're thinking more about the individual event. Bigger grid, you don't know what it is. Now, if someone gives you an explanation, it may be within that. Again, time is where it exists. Confidence and area are the components that go into the calculation. All right, hope that helps. Okay, so the other one that's important here is humidity. And I get this one a lot as well, particularly when people want to understand, they've heard absolute humidity, they've heard relative humidity. What are they hearing when they, you know, get a forecast or read a forecast? Well, the short answer is you're getting relative humidity. Let's talk about the difference. Absolute humidity is truly just a measure of how much water vapor is in a volume of air or, or you know, let's say a cube of air, if you will. So the more water, the more water, the more that humidity number is going to go up. Relative humidity takes into account temperature. And it does this for a very specific reason. The warmer air and even the warmer water underneath lead to the ability for more evaporation. Okay. And what we're looking for... We, we measure this kind of equilibrium state, if you will. And equilibrium, you've kind of stopped either evaporating or condensing. But when you're evaporating, when it's really dry, you tend to evaporate. When it's, you know, moist, you tend to condense. Whether you see dew in the morning or you see fog in the air, you know, you've reached that point of, of saturation, if you will. So temperature... And, and this is the, like I said, the key thing is it's not that a cube, I mean, physically can hold a different amount of water, if you will, whether it's hot or cold, it's because of that relationship between how water vapor and those processes of phase changes, whether it's condensing or evaporating, transpire at different temperatures. And just know the warmer it is, the easier it is for evaporation to take place. And that's why you can hold more absolute humidity in warmer temperatures than you can at colder temperatures. So don't get hung up on the size of that space. Think more about just the physical processes that create water in the air versus dropping it down and condensing it and turning it into true just water that we can all see. And I think part of it is until it's a cloud, we don't think about water existing in the air, but it's in there. Okay. Now, when you're seeing that forecast, it's relative humidity, but that also can be confusing because we think our, our brain wants to go, all right, it's 80% relative humidity. And anybody that's you know lived in a warm place knows that just makes you sweat and uncomfortable. Whereas 80% humidity in the wintertime, you may hardly notice. But where you are more likely to notice these things is in how that interacts with the living spaces we are in. So when it's you know, it can be 80% humidity in winter, in the middle of wintertime, and you open the air, and your inside air is actually very dry. And if you look, you know, you let's say that you 
let some of that dry air in or cold air in from the outside and then you close it back up and your humidity gets really low and that's why our skin dries out and everything else and it happens to us outside as well even if it's not windy because our body likes a certain level of moisture around us. That's why we use humidifiers and other things to bring that humidity back up within the spaces in which we live. Okay, because relative humidity will have dropped because all of a sudden we went from air that was near freezing, let's say outside, to air that is comfortable in a short sleeve shirt on the inside. Yet that cold air is not holding as much humidity in. So all the air around the building space we live in, if we're not introducing more, translates into lower relative humidity because, again, it's relative to the quantity that that equilibrium state would ordinarily achieve for a given temperature, yet it's not happening outside. I know that one can be a little more tricky to get your mind around. Hopefully that's a a first-order attempt to make some sense out of that. If you have any questions about either one of those two things or any other questions you'd like me to talk about in the future, or if you just want to follow up on any of the thoughts I had earlier in the podcast, let me know. Let me know how your new year is. I hope 2022 is going well for you. And I hope you've, despite all we've been through in 2021, that you had some good moments. And those included some weather moments. You can reach me. What is about the weather at gmail.com. Mark underscore Jorlinic on Twitter, of course. Or what is about the weather on Twitter. I'd love to hear from you. That's the other thing I'd recommend. If it's not me, if you're listening to a new podcast or any podcast and you've never touched base with that podcast, particularly if it's a small independent podcast, take a time to tell them something you like about it. Don't just say, hey, I like it. Take take a moment, be a little thoughtful and say, I like this aspect of it. Producers, that's one of the things I do enjoy, and it's also one it can be one of the hard things at times because I go through phases where I'll hear from people a lot, and then you'll go through seasons where you don't. We like to hear from you guys because it does kind of keep us going and motivated and fresh with ideas and new thoughts, particularly when it's new and different perspectives. But always remember with this stuff, every day we go through life, and every day weather for the most part impacts our life because there's much more to weather than the weather itself.